Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Come on, so good. <laughs> Praise God. How we doing? Yeah, dude, it's so good. <laughs> oh man, it's September. Remember summer? It's like three years ago, it feels like, right? It's crazy. It's good to be with you guys. I love being here on Sundays. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about uh, what Bong said to the kids. I'm sitting back there and I'm like, that's a pretty good sermon right there. And uh, it's fun to follow something so meaningful. Kids, man. I love kids, the way they think. They say things that we should say. Don't they? It's kind of like, yeah, you know, actually, I don't understand all this, but I caught a fish once, and I'm like, that's my man right there. That's, that's what I think. I want to tell the story I know really well. Amen. <laughs> uh, this is an amazing story. Today, I get to tell one of my favorite stories in the Gospels. It's the calling of the first disciples. Um, and this is a great story for a lot of reasons, but I think oftentimes we get caught up in the idea that the story is about the other people in the story, when it's still a story about Jesus. And I think oftentimes we get caught up in the, oh, well, this is the story about Peter. It's not. It's a story about Jesus, but Peter's in the story. And so this story, I hope you hear something different today about it. If you maybe just turn your perspective a little bit and say, what does this say about Jesus in this story? Because we like to talk about Peter, because we're a lot more like Peter than Jesus, but it's really about Jesus. So I want to show, this a cool icon of this story, if you put it, yeah, see? Something about the icons for me that is just meaningful, it's just so simple. And Jesus is where my eyes go, I look at the fish, and then I look at the net, I look at the guys on the boat, but then I end up looking at Jesus the most, which I think is the point. Okay, so let me tell this great story, and we'll put the text up there. So here we go. It says, once when Jesus was standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, that's just another name for it, the crowd was pushing in on him to better hear the word of God. I, like, I don't want to go too far, but this, this first part of this story is so powerful to me, that there Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee walking, and the crowd is pushing in so much on him. Why? Because they want to hear the word of God. They, like the crowd of people, Jesus, everywhere Jesus went, there was this huge crowd of people that went with him, but this crowd would push so much on top of him, all for what reason? To hear the word of God, to hear what he would say. I mean, there's just such an eagerness in the crowd to be near Jesus, isn't there? So they push up against Jesus, and he's kind of on the shore of the sea. Saw these people. And he noticed two boats tied up. The fishermen had just left them. And what were they doing? Scrubbing their nets. So fishing is not like the, we had our friend over here with the pole. That's not what they did. <laughs> like what they, what they did 
back then, there were like four different kinds of ways of fishing. But the most common way, and probably the way that these guys fished, is they had these huge nets. And they would throw them in the water. And the guys would stand on the shore if they didn't have boats. Their boats would go out and kind of pull the net as far out as they could. Then guys on the shore would stand there with these nets. And they would drag the net in and kind of catch everything kind of in between the shore and where the boats went. So they kind of do this. And they drag this long haul. And you catch literally everything that's in the water that gets caught in the net. And so after every day, your net is your livelihood. So you would spend hours cleaning everything out of the nets. And so these guys had been fishing all night, which is when you typically fished, and had dragged in the nets, and they were sitting there on the shore, probably early morning, cleaning their nets. And they left their boats, and they'd walked away, and Jesus sees their boats, and I love this, Jesus climbed into the boat that was Peter's, and then asked him to put out a little bit from shore. Now, I don't don't know how you are after a day of work. Or maybe just like your spouse has been gone all day and you've been like maybe with the kids. And then you come out and you're like, finally, take a deep breath. This happens often in my house. Take a deep breath. You're like, I just need a mental health break. And then it's like, hey, can you actually, actually, we're going to go back out on the water. I know you've been out there all day, but like we're going to go one more thing. I mean, this is like, this is the story. So Jesus just gets in the boat and then is like, hey, Peter. Uh, we're going to go out there a little bit. And so put out a little from the shore. And I love this picture. Is you just got this huge crowd of people, and they want to hear what Jesus is. They're pushing in to hear Jesus talk about God. And Jesus gets in a boat, and he kind of goes out into the water and creates like a natural amphitheater. And all these people in the crowd, like the beach kind of slopes up, you know, from the water. So there's kind of this natural like amphitheater, and everybody can see Jesus. And this is what I love. Listen, listen to this. He climbed into the boat that was Simon's ass and put out a little from the shore, sitting there, sitting which I love, just calm in his person. Using the boat as a pulpit, he taught the crowd. He taught the crowd. Now, Peter had been working all day, all night, probably sweaty, gross, pulling in the net, and then he was like, ugh, to clean these nets? He probably didn't have to because he had a boat, so he probably wasn't a cleaner of the nets, but they were important to him and his livelihood. So he probably stinks, And he's sitting in the boat with Jesus, and Jesus is teaching, but he's probably like a little more sulking, kind of like, I don't have time for this, maybe. This is kind of how it goes in my house. I think this comic captures well um, maybe how he felt. Some of you read really fast. (laughs) But, But you just imagine like working really hard all day, doing something that takes a lot of being out of you, and then being asked to further contribute. And I I think this is important. Like when we put in a ton of work, we don't have a lot left. And I think that's where God really speaks to us. That's where God speaks to me. And so it says this, Jesus finishes teaching. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon or Peter, push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Now, I don't, when I've spent a whole day with people, I'm not super interested in like engaging in meaningful work. And if I'm Peter, I may be just sitting there sulking or like wiping junk off my body or something. I I may not be listening to Jesus teach as much. Like you're sitting in a boat and it's the morning and you're just kind of, what am I doing here? 
And then Jesus is like, okay, now we're done teaching. Now let's go further out of the lake. And I, I just imagine Peter's being, being not that great. And here's Jesus just with this gentle invitation to push out into deeper water. Push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Now, Peter said, this is, I love Peter. This is what I love about Peter. Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. Like they fished all night, didn't catch anything. So that may be the most frustrating part of the cleaning of the nets. Is you drag these nets in and then you clean it and you don't even have what you went out there to get. You ever go to the store and you're like, oh, I got to pick this up. And then the store doesn't have it. And you're like, why did I go all the way to the store? I went to Office Depot on Saturday to get copies. And I went at 8.30 and it doesn't open till 9. And I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, he spent all night fishing, didn't catch a single fish. And he's got to clean up after that. He's frustrated. And I just imagine Jesus saying, hey, let's push out into deep water. And we're going to throw out the nets. And I just imagine, like, Peter sitting there and being like, look, dude, I'm a pro at this. Like, I've been doing this my whole life. Like, I have a boat, clearly, nets. Aren't you like a carpenter, bro? Like, I'm just not. You're like a moonlighting preacher? Like, it's not. I thought you just made stuff. I love Peter, and I love Jesus' gentleness with him. And listen to this. We haven't caught even a minnow, but if you say so, I'll let out the nets, which really means I got to gather everybody else that's done and tired and get them to work with me on this project. And it was no sooner said than done, a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved to their partners in the other boat to come help them. I mean, this is... Jesus with Peter, throw the nets in, and oh my gosh, where did these fish come from? All night. You don't catch fish during the day. That's not when you're supposed to catch fish in a net. And Jesus is like, just throw it in. And he does. And everybody else is off doing their own thing, cleaning the nets, and he's like, oh my gosh, what? This is what we came here for. And I love Peter's excitement. He goes, they, they wave to their partners in the other boat to come help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. So much fish, the boats began to sink. I mean, here's a picture of that, a fisherman on the shore just working to pull in these nets to the shore. This is modern-day fishing, the same way. That's a lot of work to pull anything from the water, let alone so many fish that the net might break. And there's a little bit of risk in there that if the net breaks, all that work and nothing and no livelihood the next week. And so you just imagine the terror and excitement of all of that together for Peter and all the friends and the waving to their partners. And this is what I love. I love this part of the story. It says, Peter, when he saw the catch, fell to his knees before Jesus. And this is, listen to what he says, Master Leave. Master, leave. I'm a sinner and can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. That was a pretty, pretty bold response, isn't it? I mean, he just sees all the fish and he just 
falls on his knees and he says, leave me alone. Get, get away from me. You're, you're too much for me. I'm such a broken person. Leave me to myself. And when they pulled in that catch of fish, awe overwhelmed Simon, Peter, and everyone with him. And it was the same with James and John Zebedee's sons who were co-workers with Simon. The idea that, that this carpenter from Nazareth knew more about fishing than these guys that had done it their whole life is a pretty profound moment for them. And they just see it, and they have such awe for what Jesus has been able to do. And we often see things Jesus do, does and maybe don't have such awe or excitement. We're more likely to respond the way Peter did initially, which is, whoa, whoa, this is too close for comfort. And again, this story is about Jesus, and I want you to hear this. Jesus said to Simon, there is nothing to fear. This moment of Peter saying, hey, get away from me. (laughs) Leave me to myself. I'm a sinner. And Jesus gently says to him, there is nothing to fear. Peter, Peter doesn't say anything about being afraid. He, whoa, get away from me. I'm afraid of you. But Jesus knows that he's in a space that he's not used to, that he's seeing something he's not comfortable with. And there Jesus in his gentleness looks at him and says, there is nothing to fear. Isn't that how, when we get close to God and we see what God does, isn't that our response too often? Oh, this is not, this is too much for me. Like if I let God too close, I'd have to like change some stuff in my life. And so, you know, I'd rather you just kind of just leave me to myself. And here's Jesus. I love this. And we look at Jesus to understand who God is. And this is Jesus. There is nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. The closer God gets to you, the more different you become. And there's nothing scary about that. Although it scares me. And Jesus says what has become a very famous thing. Says, from now on, you'll be fishing for men and women You'll be fishing for men and women. And they pulled their boats up on the beach, left them, left their boats, left their nets, left all the fish they just caught, and followed Jesus. It's like Jesus' comment that there's nothing to fear brought them along. Whoa, this is not for me. And then it's, no, don't worry about this. You don't have anything to fear. And that emboldened them in such a way that they then went with Jesus and followed him. His directive is not just for them, by the way. His his directive that you will fish for people is for you, and it's for me. He's not just talking generally about, hey, look, you, Peter, and your friends over there that helped us pull this in, we're going to go hang out with people now. His directive is to you. 
also. And I, I think this, if you lean in and push into Jesus and hear him speak the word of God, it's really compelling and hard to be like, you know what, this fish for people thing, Jesus, I'm not really down for that. I love this John Calvin quote. For people stray and wander in the world as in a great and troubled sea till they are gathered by the gospel. I mean, I, I, I lived this life when I was a kid, wandering around, trying to find life, what it meant. And it was a troubled sea, and it was big until somebody shared with me the good news of who Jesus was. And they didn't tell me anything. They walked alongside me for four years and loved me. They fished for me. And unlike fishing like in, in, in the real sport of fishing where you catch the fish and then you take it home and you cook it and you eat it, so you actually fish to kill it. In the gospel, fishing is about bringing somebody from death to life. And it's really different to go fish for that. I mean, I, I can't even really accurately proclaim what it's like to know Jesus intimately. Like, I, I, I can't share that with you in a meaningful way all the time. Like, the, or, the great orthodox, this is a great orthodox quote, but it captures the inability to articulate the goodness of who Jesus is. Go to the next one. We see most eloquent orators as voiceless as fish when they must speak of Jesus. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, for it is beyond their power to tell how you are and remain perfect man and immutable God at the same time. Like to begin to try to understand or comprehend who Jesus is and all that Jesus did is impossible for you to capture with words. The best testimony of what your life means and your relationship to God is how you have changed because God changed you. And for Peter in this moment on the boat, falling at the knees, on his knees in front of Jesus, get away from me. I'm a sinner. Jesus, there's nothing to fear. A couple reflections for you. And I'm just going to share this with you because I'm Presbyterian. But the Spirit is speaking to you. And I'm just going to share a couple thoughts from the story just to give them to you. So put the reflections up. And the first one is this. Is the crowd pushing in on Jesus to better hear the word of God? Maybe for you tonight, you're thinking to yourself, what does it mean for me to push in on Jesus to better hear the word of God? Maybe you came this morning and that's the sole thing to take away for you is you have to push in on the crowd to get closer to Jesus to hear. Maybe for you, Jesus is inviting you to push out into deeper water. Maybe like Peter, you were there and you're just kind of going through the motions and doing what you do and you're like, why is this guy taking my boat? And then Jesus invites you to go somewhere else to do something different Maybe something against the grain for you, something you would normally do to fish during the day, 
with a guy who doesn't know what he's doing or talking about maybe. What is that for you? What does it mean to be in deeper water for you? I think another part of this story that I love is the enthusiasm of Peter to get his friends to come and be a part of what God was doing. And I would argue, if you haven't seen the catch, I wouldn't blame you if you weren't waving people to come see what God's doing. And if you haven't seen the catch, maybe push out into the deeper waters with God so you can see the catch. But if you've seen what Jesus is doing, if you know what God is doing in your life, if you see what God is doing around you, and you don't wave that over to people to tell them what God is doing, it's not for you only that God is doing that. And even this part where Peter says to Jesus, Master, I'm a sinner, leave me alone, maybe that's you. And maybe you just need to go, okay, that's how I feel when the guy for God gets close. What's that? What's that? What is that about? Because Jesus is very clear also. He says there's nothing to fear. What does it mean to be afraid if Jesus is saying there's nothing to fear? And maybe for some of you, you're leaning in in a way and people around you are kind of like, wow, that dude's a little weird now. He's like spiritual and thinking about God and prays more and reads scripture more and you feel like you're changing and God's like excited you about something that you're not normally excited about and people are kind of looking at you like, well, they're like really getting into their church and I'm not really like that. There's nothing to fear. God is changing you and will continue to change you. And there's nothing to fear. Fishing for people is a beautiful picture. And I work for Young Life too, and there's a picture of, these are people we fish for. Just beautiful high school kids, middle school kids, college kids. We don't just talk to them. We don't just hand them a track. We share the good news with our lives. For all of us, we're called to some kind of field to do ministry. It may not look like that one. That's a crazy group that takes a lot of energy and time. That's not for everyone. But maybe it is. But there's a network of people. There's a sea of Galilee in your life that God is desperately asking you to fish in for him. What does it look like for you? And finish on this icon for you as you think. What would it look like if we as a community fish for people? What would that look like if God changed us and we then went out and fished for people? Let me pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving us, for knowing us, for seeing us. Thank you for inviting us to deeper water. Thank you for inviting us to fish for people. Give us the courage, the great courage, 
to love people the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand as confess as we sing one more song together?